everybody, this is Eric Krasno, and you are listening to the Plus One Podcast. Very excited for this week's episode. It's a good one. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank everybody that's been spreading the word. And, you know, it's been really fun doing this. I've been having such a blast talking with all these musicians, learning from them, and, you know, just rapping with some guys that I've never really gotten to sit down with for an extended period of time. Um, And the guest on the show today is someone I really admire as a songwriter, as a player. A lot of you may know him from the band Wolfpack, but uh, Theo Katzman is an incredible solo artist. He sent me his music years ago, and I did not know um, what a great singer-songwriter he was. I knew he was a great multi-instrumentalist, but it honestly kind of blew my mind hearing his first album and now, you know, everything he's put out, uh, I'm a big fan of. And for me, I just love finding new music and new artists that I, that I love. Um, you know, I tend to go backwards to old music a lot. I tend to go back to my old records from Led Zeppelin to Stevie Wonder and all that, but I feel like in the past few years I've been digging into a lot of new music. Artists like Sun Little and Emily King, Alan Stone, Mac Ayers, a lot of people that I've had on the show, and Theo is one of those. Uh, I've worn out his music on Spotify or wherever else that uh, you might listen to it. It's funny, I've been getting a little bit of uh, feedback about Spotify, which is interesting. I obviously use the platform. We've been making playlists for all of my podcasts on Spotify. I use it as a tool quite a bit for my own shows and for like referencing mixes and sending music back and forth with people. And I really love it as a tool. I love it for discovering new music. I do believe they should pay the artists better. Um, I do think there's a lot of discussion to be had about that. Um, but yeah, email me kraz plus one at gmail.com. I'd love to hear people's thoughts on this. Um, it's a bit of a debate that's been going on. Obviously I'm a user of the platform, but I'm curious what my listeners are thinking. What are your thoughts on that? Hit me up. I want to give a shout out real quick to Osiris Media. They helped me put this podcast together. They have a lot of other great shows and a lot of other great content that you can check out at osirispod.com. So I urge you to go there. I also want you to subscribe to this podcast. If you take a second, just go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, subscribe. That really helps us uh, moving forward. But again, I want to thank everyone that's been giving me shout outs and a lot of great reviews that I just saw. And uh, I'm just very thankful for you guys and for all the artists that have been on this show. There's a lot of amazing artists that are going to be on the show in the upcoming weeks. So definitely stay tuned. If you guys have been listening to the show, you know that I've been urging everyone to get out and vote. Uh, This is the most important election possibly of all time. And my good friends at headcount.org are helping everybody um, get it together. I think that they've actually um, at this point registered a million people to vote. And uh, I think there's going to be a bigger turnout than ever. It's so easy. Just go on headcount.org, find out what you need to do. Um, You don't have much time, so do it soon. Uh, We definitely need our voices to be heard, and we needed some changes made. So my discussion with Theo was so cool. He's someone I've known for a few years. I love hanging out with him. And this discussion, like many others on this show, 
um, really gave me some insight into his creative thoughts and his creative process, which also in turn inspired me. So anyway, I'm excited to get into the episode, but first let's just take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Great singer-songwriter, multi-instruments, this guy rips on drums, guitar, he's a member of the group Wolfpack, and I'm a huge fan of his solo work. I'd like to welcome today's Plus One, Theo Katzman. So I've been on the road driving from California to, to Michigan yeah. here, and I just I just listened to a bunch of Kraz Plus One, like, oh, because yeah? I was, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a huge fan of you, which I thought, man, maybe it'd be fun to like sort of grill Kraz on, <laughs> tell some of my, <laughs> tell some of my Kraz stories that I, that I don't even know if I've really gotten to tell you, um, cool, cool. just about my, my own, uh, my, my years as a, as a years as a soul live fanboy, um, which were incredibly formative for me, but I was listening to a bunch of the interviews like in a row. Cause I, I'd been meaning to check it out, but I was so busy the last couple months that I, I hadn't, but I knew this trip was coming up. So I'm yeah. like, I'm going to just burn down a bunch of these podcasts while I'm driving. Cool. And there was one interview. I'm trying to remember who it was with. We were talking about, I think it was Chuck Berry where they actually brought his amp closer to the mic, like yeah. somebody's job in they the session when he was going to play a solo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible, man. So cool. I love that story. I got to do this like, for so, you know, I've been able to be musical director on a f- bunch of events. I actually did one this week, and one of the coolest things ever was putting together the Chuck Berry tribute show. And I don't know how they called me for that. Wow, but cool, I man! But uh, somehow I got to do that, and the the That's his, great. his family was involved. And cool. at first, like they walked in, and it was like the, some of the guys from the Roots. And it's like this awesome band, all these different Huey Lewis, and wow. like all over the map of people. But the coolest thing was hanging out with his family who told me some of these stories of like how shit actually went down back then. Wow. And these hit records were made with like one microphone. That's great. You know, and like (laughs) the band just made it, you know, made it work. You know what I mean? There was no other option at that point. So it's a whole different, it's hard to even put yourself in the mindset. But uh, the fact is like, you know, we spent so much time like on all these different details when really like they concentrated on the groove being right. Yeah. The band playing well together. And like you said, like, (laughs) yeah, which, you know, when you do that, it's, it's so interesting because you get a lot of, I feel like you get the vibe for free actually when you do that. Yeah. You know, like the vibe is in the particular chemistry of, of the band playing or the players or whatever, the way the singers approaching it. And it, like I've learned that with with uh, recording with Wolfpack because we would do everything. People are always like, "Oh man, are you guys on tape?" You know, and it's yeah, like yeah. pretty much never. But right. but the thing is, you get a lot of what we associate with old school analog recordings for free if yeah. you just play live. <laughs> well, that, it's true. I you mean, know? and also for it's for free for you, but it's also the fact is like you guys 
playing together and just being great musicians and hearing it. Cause I guess that's the thing that gets lost is like, right. When and you're, there's no monitoring. Right. So you, when you're, funny. And that's my, and that's the other thing is like, as technology has grown, I've like gone the other way a little bit. I'm like, yeah, I dude. want everything to bleed. I don't want to wear headphones. I want to hear what you're doing and I want to hear how it reacts to what everyone else is doing. Yeah, Cause man. that's the thing that's hard when you're tracking all these things over and over and over and adding to the wall of sound. You yeah. don't know how things are reacting to one another. And that's the thing. Is totally. when, you're, when, you're, when you're in a room with people and you have great musicians like you guys. And I think that's it's funny that because I thought the same thing too. Oh, it must be tape. It must be this. Sure, but yeah. it's more that when people were recording on tape, they were recording in a room together. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's and it's like if you had um, if you were cooking, but you but you had somehow like a massive a, a pot that was sort of like getting bigger the whole time. Like the, 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 like it went from like one court to two court to five court to 10 court. You could, you could actually run into the problem of being like, you add a little too much salt and you're like, well, it's a little too salty. So you add more water and they're like, oh man, right. now it's not salty enough. And you just keep doing that. And it's like, yeah. that's the layering problem. It's like, where's, you know, that was 400 guitar tracks, but I, right. I need something else. Well, it goes, bridge. I mean, the, I mean, it goes to the, you know, when you're cooking, it's not about the amount of ingredients. It's the quality of the ingredients that are in what you're making. Right. Yeah. And, and the, the chef has to know yeah. what they're doing. The chef has to right, know what they're right. But it's all ceiling. It's like, yeah. where's the ceiling? And and there's so many things with the new with 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 the new technology. I know. That, we're gonna say this is <laughs> the old man podcast. I, I I always like when I when I do listen back, which I try not to listen back too much because I hate hearing my voice. But I like am trying not to, which is crazy being doing a podcast and hating your voice. But I understand, man. Everybody hates their voice. Yeah, it's the thing. <laughs> but uh, I realize, you know. I try not to sound like an old man. Like I'm out here. You listen- don't at all, man. I, I actually do listen to new music all the time. And out of my out of my group of friends, I I think that I do. Like I sh- I'm always sharing new music, absolutely. Especially to my friends that are even more old man than me, because a lot right, of them right. a lot of them are haters. Because, and I get it. I kind of on I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle where like I listen to yeah. old records all the time, but yes, I listen to a lot of new stuff as well and I'm always excited like when a new record comes out that I love it's like the excitement that's the like that's so I get so excited about that absolutely man well I think that's pro- that's why people want to work with you too is that you're not you know you bring a perspective that is not the average perspective you have you have a lifetime's worth of playing experience and different musical genres I mean you're incredibly versatile and uh, I, I would imagine, I mean, that's why I want to work with you, which by yeah, the way, yeah. I want to work with you. We need to make that happen. I know <laughs> I actually was thinking about out. that when I reached out to you because <laughs> when I moved, to, when I was moving to LA, I was like hitting you up a lot like, dude, I'm moving to LA. We got to work together. I know together. that I missed your party because I had the wrong day, man, oh, or no, I had the wrong right. time or that's something. That's right. I know. And that, that was, was a good terrible. one. That was a good <laughs> one. Sorry. I think no, I, I might mean, have messed that up too, but yeah, I think Emily. No, it was. I just assumed it was a night party, but it was a day party. I might have messed that like, up. I, I hit you up at like t- at like well, eight p.m. and you're like, "Oh, we're done, man." Well, I, I think like, I also oh. sent out like it was like I was attempting. It was my first attempt at an evite. <laughs> You know, oh, yeah. where the details, you had to go through like four different labyrinths yeah, to man. get to the details. For, first time, last time, as we call yeah, it. Yeah, now I'm just texting people. These are the times. And, but yeah, um, but no, that's, that's, that's cool. On, pre-COVID, we had some, that was, uh, you know, in LA, not necessarily people that all lived here, but people are always around. So yes, 
I love getting people together and just like playing music for the fun of playing music. Because I feel like in New York, it was hard for me to do that because you had to arrange for a space. You had to like rent sure. a space or like have it in LA, I have a studio or like there's so many places. Everyone know, has a space. Best, you know? That's the best thing about it. And yet it hasn't been happening in so long that I completely forgot until you just said that, that that's yeah. what we would do. Yeah, right. <laughs> we would totally always do that. And I'm like, why? What happened? Well, that's the thing but, is when uh, you become like a professional musician and you start touring all the time, it's like you don't even like when you're home, you're just like chilling, you know? And I think yeah, that's uh, but since I've been in L.A., I've, well, well, the weird thing is then like since COVID, I, I now I'm just unfortunately not as social, but I am home sure. and I'm playing and like writing and stuff, which is. Yeah, that's good. great. That's great. Um, yeah, some some weird stuff is going to come out of this that'll be we'll find the silver lining in all of it. I mean, this podcast is a great example of something that wouldn't have gone the way it's going like you were saying without uh you know, you're making you're making something of this time which is which is sweet. Yeah, it's been interesting. I think a lot a lot of people have. I mean, I've been seeing so many people yeah. um kind of trying new things and and making records. Like I'm I'm curious to see all of the art that is created during this time. Me too, man. Sure. Well, one of the things I think interesting about your podcast that I really like is that you're you're a musician and you're interviewing musicians and it's like the depth of questioning is so great. It's specific in a way right. that I that I really appreciate. Um so I think fans of fans of what you do appreciate that at least I'm speaking for myself, but yeah. as a fan of what you do, I'd like the audience to know that I saw Soul Live 13 times from 2001 to 2006. Wow. Okay, that's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> and where? Where? Like, where was that? In, well, in I grew up on Long Island. Oh, so that's right. And, you're in front. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, and my drum teacher Scott Foley um, brought me back. Brought to a. It came to a lesson one time with a cassette. Of the first Soul Live record. Wow. That he bought on cassette for me. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. So I'll take it, you know, and I still had a cassette player and, yeah. and uh, I I've totally freaked out on it. And then I started trying to follow you guys around and I feel like you guys were, you weren't, I may, if you're still touring pretty regionally, like there were, it wasn't even like, I'm sure you were doing touring, some touring, but there was also just like local shows. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember trying to see you guys in Jersey and calling a bar and they were like, what's going on? You know, hello. And I was like, hey, uh, so I play tonight. And they're like, yep. And I'm like, uh, how old do you need to be? <laughs> nice. And they're like, what? <laughs> 21. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm 16. And they just hung up on me. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> so, things like that. I remember getting a bunch of friends together and we drove my dad's car to uh, a festival in Jersey another time and got pulled over like like a quarter of a mile, you know, oh, from no. the festival gate. And I was going 51 in a 40. Like, yeah, I was speeding, but really not that fast, you yeah. know? And I'm like, does everybody have their seatbelt on? Yeah. And they're like, no. And I'm like, put your seatbelt on. So then all of a sudden everybody's shifting around in the back trying to like, you know, put their seatbelt on, but it's an old car. So there's like, the seatbelts aren't even working. <laughs> you got to pull you know? them out of the thing. and it, yeah, Exactly. So it's like pulling out and, and then cop pulls us over and he's like, <laughs> And he's like, what do you guys, what, what's your friend doing stuff and stuff in his pockets? Like, what does he have? And I was like, oh, no, no, no. He was actually just trying to put his seatbelt on. Long story short, guy interrogates us for like 
probably 45 minutes. Everybody, you know, makes me walk a straight line, makes me estimate 30 seconds, yeah. you know, on the uh, without looking at the clock, which luckily I just thought about 60 on the metronome. I was shedding a lot of time, you know, <laughs> nailed the nailed the sobriety test. I yeah. was like 10 in the morning. I wasn't drinking, you know, yeah, I was 16. Yeah, yeah. But uh, he ended up writing my friend a ticket for not wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so... Anyway, stuff like that. That was yeah. all. And and one last thing to say about Soul Live. Um, well, there's more to say about Soul Live, but I I actually am on the recording um, from Irving Plaza on the live record. Oh yeah! Wow. There, there's a moment during Lenny where you just play this beautiful, beautiful solo moment, and you hear <laughs> you hear my friend Adam go Krasno. No way! And then you hear, and, or I go Krasno, and then you hear the, my friend Adam go Krasno. <laughs> That's in there. No way! It made it on the recording. So crazy! That is really now. I got to listen back to that. And I thought point I'd tell that you out. that. That's yeah. really funny. Wow! Crazy. You know, one of the reasons that I made my way to your music. Yeah. And by the way, I'm going to get there, but uh, sure. Heartbreak Hits, I've probably listened. The, the, all the plays on Spotify, like half of those are mine. I oh, literally man. play that record all the time. <laughs> Thank um, you, man. You were one of the first people. In fact, you were you were the only record deal I've ever gotten offered. Right, right. That's so right. Thank you. We were talking about. I, I know. I, I and, appreciate that. Well, you sent me uh, Hard Work and... Yeah. I literally played that for everybody I knew because That's I also so cool, had man. no idea what to expect. I didn't know you sure. as a songwriter yet. You know, I, right, just knew right. your, I knew your work with Wolfpack. Yeah. And I think you had already put out uh, Back Pocket, which I was also like obsessed with sure. that song. So yeah. I made my way to you from that. But okay, previous to that, I was producing um, a group called Lawrence, which you probably yeah. know them, right? Yeah, I know them. Yeah. And I'd heard the name Wolfpack and they were like obsessed Okay. Sure, sure. And they kept telling me about it, kept telling me about it. And then one day they came into a session. They were like, dude, dude, they they know you or they, they love you or something. And I'm like, what? And they showed yeah. me an article where you were being interviewed and you talk about how like Soul Live or like a show, Soul Live show or something about Soul yeah, Live. Yeah, yeah. And I can't Absolutely. remember how it happened, but then you guys were playing Brooklyn, but I like wasn't in town, but you and I communicated about like yeah, sitting yeah, in, yeah. I think. Yes. Um, but anyway, I went down the rabbit hole at that point um, on the Wolfpack stuff and back pocket, yeah. and you and I became friends. And then you sent me, um, I think it was, it was definitely hard work, and I forget what the second track was. Uh, my heart is dead. My heart is dead. Oh yeah, Girl, yeah, yeah. Dead, right. Those yeah. are the two. And I, I was yeah, like, uh -huh. I just let like you. I don't know. It just it brought me back to. It was it was new and fresh, just like I said. Like how I was, it, sure. it got me more excited than I'd been about new music in a really long time. Oh, that's uh, so cool! Because it man. had like these elements of all this stuff I grew up on, but it, like it was like sounded hip and new, you know. Thanks, man. Well, that's exactly what we were going for, right. um, and that I was really proud of that album, um, and it was it was it meant a lot that you dug it and also that you, you know, sent it around. Cause I got hit up by so many people and Deitch hit me up, you know, he's another, yeah, I mean, you yeah. guys were, you guys in your scene, the soul live lettuce. And then what I would, you know, sort of learn was actually also like Derek trucks band at the time. Yeah. And this whole other community of 
incredible players and, and artists who were like really, really funky and sort of it just sort of skirting between like, you know, there was elements of like, you guys were involved in the hip hop community, but you were also kind of in the jam world and you were also in the jazz world and you were, it was just like, you guys seemed to be popping up everywhere. And it was one of the scenes that I really admired and, and looked up to. So when I started getting, you know, you guys saying, yo, dude, I love the new joints. I was yeah. like, oh man, this is amazing. So that was really cool, man. So I want to get a little bit into your background. Um, I sure. know your dad is your dad played trumpet. And, yeah, my yep. And uh, or plays or you know I, I don't know if he's still he, he passed perform- away in 2013. Oh, okay. But he he I'm was uh, yeah that's he was 85 years old. Oh wow! So he had a full yeah he was born in 1928. Oh, so I have a I have a funny upbringing because I was basically I was raised by like an actual bebop cat. You know what I mean? Wow. That, <laughs> so wow. Crazy. I'm not a, I can't play jazz. Like, I mean, yeah. I can, I can, I love jazz, but I, I haven't someday I will someday. I know I feel that someday I'll like dive into it and everybody will be totally over it. And I'll call you and be like, you want to play like, you know, <laughs> you yeah. want to play a, a cocktail gig? And you'll be like, no, <laughs> I'm, I'll, I'll probably like, oh. will actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be like, let's do this. Yeah. But I, I, but that uh, makes sense to me because your harmonic understanding is deep. You know what I mean? And I've also heard you play some like bebop licks. Yeah, I, you know? I, yeah, totally. I've definitely, I mean, I listen to jazz. And so there's some amount of it that is like, you know, just rubs off on you. And also there was a certain amount of vocabulary and just personality that I got from my dad. You know, and my mom is a huge jazz fan. She has a jazz radio show that she DJs out in New Mexico where she lives. So it's like my parents were were basically there was always jazz on in the house. So I had to kind of discover rock and roll on my own. And so my, my influences growing up were kind of like some mixture between like finding my mom's record collection that had like the band and, you know, the Beatles and stuff like that and Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Neil oh, yeah. Young, or whatever, and then just turning on, like, Z100 in New York, and, like, Q104.3, and hearing, like, classic rock, but also, like, Nirvana, yeah. and the Foo Fighters, and Third Eye Blind, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I have, the, but at the same time, and then my drum teacher giving me, like, the the very best of the meters, and Soul Live, yeah. and Dave Matthews Band, and so it's this, it's a... Uh, it's kind of a crazy mishmash. Um, I would come home after school every day and play along, mostly on drums at the time, to those, to every, all those records I just mentioned. But, I, you know, when you were interviewing Schofield, that was so cool to hear him talk about how he was like, yeah, I wasn't, I, I couldn't really hang, like, yeah. as a jazz player, you know, it was, it, then he, he said, it's hard music. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that was one of those moments of like, it is hard. There's yeah. a certain amount you can pick up with your ear if you're listening to it, but there's another layer of like, man, you really just need to like smash your brain open and work these synapses to to really play through changes. Right, right. But yeah, my dad was huge influence um, on me for sure. And, and he grew, I mean, when he, he was, like I said, 1928. So, I mean, he was in Gene Krupa's band. He played with... Benny Goodman. Wow. Terry Gibbs, Stan Kenton. Amazing. Uh, he was on the Carson show for years. He was in the Ellington band at some point. He's crazy. He's, 
Yeah, so he was he was just like so before rock and roll that he didn't even like really even <laughs> he'd be like rock rock and rail man. <laughs> so when you were bringing records around, did he get it at all? Like, did he kind of go, oh okay, that's it? Were there certain like the Beatles? Is he a Beatles fan? He wasn't a Beatles fan. He was he was like a total jazz. Uh, like I want to say snob, except it's not really the right word because yeah. it's a little more like machismo than snob. You know, got the it, old school, it. the old school. Like, look, man, those yeah. you know, get hot or go home. Like right, those right. cats can't play. Those okay? cats can't play. They That's can't the classic. sing. They, yeah, they, yeah. they can't swing, man. Yeah. So you know, yeah. get the fuck out of here with that shit. Right. You know, and so it was like the door was closed. You know, right. But but one thing about my dad that was great is that he he would just be like, whatever you're doing, do it. Like, yeah, I don't care what it is. Like, I want you to do it. And he was really passionate about that. So he, it was this funny combination of like, not listening to the stuff I was checking out, like not making any attempt at finding out what was good about it. Right. <laughs> but being like, go for it. In a I certain way, it. sometimes that's good. Because if he, if he gets too into like tearing it apart, it might, you know, dissuade you. So exactly. he probably, he probably no, he, was like, don't let me even hear it. Just, <laughs> just yeah. do it. <laughs> That's what it was like. But I will say he listened to my music. So when okay, I started okay. writing and playing with my own band, he was he loved it, you know, and he, yeah. and he could then hear he was able to hear all the you know where where I was coming from musically. And also he it's funny cuz when I listen to recordings of him playing now, there's there's actually a lot of stuff about his vocabulary that is I actually play like him, kind right, of. Right, right. And and it's crazy because I I remember hearing those recordings and not even knowing what I was hearing. Like I couldn't hear jazz yet. I couldn't even. Just sounded like, yeah. you know. Yeah. And now I hear it. I'm like, wow. This his phrasing is like, even just rhythmically is like, totally like mine. Wow. So yeah. It's pretty weird. <laughs> My grandfather yeah. was a, a musician and played violin like ja gypsy cool. jazz oh wow and when i've played with his later you know there's only a few people left that played with him that are sure. still like around but my dad's still in touch with them we've had some like jam sessions where they like were like and i didn't get to hear him that much he died when i was like pretty young mm -hmm. but they've said the same thing where like you sound like i mean and obviously i'm play, don't even play in the same genre but he's like you sound you right. sound like him i mean of course you know so yeah I, but it but it's kind of it's kind of weird it makes yeah. you wonder like what's going on in the in the yeah. genetic code <laughs> is nuts. this stuff like heritable like like phrasing yeah i bet you it is <laughs> you know yeah, I mean, you hear wild. it, you hear it like, um, I'm trying to think of some like father, son, I mean, obviously singers, you know, like you hear yes. like, like Layla Hathaway for example, is the only example oh I can God. like think of, but she's kind of like taking the Donnie and like put her own like twist on yeah. that. Um, no, it's totally a trip to hear her sing. It's, yeah. yeah. It's wild. Like the vibratos, you know, that's, I feel yeah, like and the timbre, the timbre and the vibrato, um, so was was with drumming was drums your first um instrument? Yeah, drums was the first thing I really fell in love with. I was I remember um being in 6th grade and playing clarinet. I don't know why I chose clarinet. Interesting. <laughs> but I did. They in 4th grade, my, my parents tried to put me in piano lessons when I was 7. Yeah. And I I just didn't like it. 
I remember, yeah. but you know what, in retrospect and when over the years I've taught a bunch of students and I, I realized at some point it's like the reason that so many kids quit is because they can't relate to the material. Mm. They just don't like this, the music you're making them that play. Was, that it's was like, me for sure. That was me yeah, for you sure. start a kid on piano. What's what's the merit of teaching them Mary had a little lamb versus like teaching them, you know, C C on your pinky, B flat on your thumb, and then F and A. Right. Like just switching between a two five. Like th- there's that there's that part in the movie Ray where one of the older musicians just shows a young Ray Charles like a two five. Yeah. And he goes like, oh. And it sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course, I, I, I would have been the kind of kid who'd been like, ooh, I like that sound. But, yeah. you know, going like, dee, do, 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 yeah. do, do. It's like, man, I hate this. I, hate, <laughs> I did Suzuki violin with my mom, and they tried oh, to wow. teach us. Uh, um, I can, there was like this melody that was just three notes. I can play my violin. I can play my violin. And I, I turned it into I, I can break my violin. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom was like, okay, maybe this isn't for you. Yeah. But also it was like, it wasn't until I re- I started loving the music that I that I loved, you know what I mean? And then had yes, wanted to learn right. that. It was like, I didn't want someone putting a piece of music in front of me and saying like, play this. I know, you know? that that's the trickiest part about, about developing the... Uh, the sort like the enthusiasm in the student is is finding that that entry point for them. Yeah. But I, I over the years I started being like it's like what what do you like and they'd be like Metallica and it's like all right we're starting there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then at some point if you stick with it and and you get good enough I'm gonna have to be like all right dude now we need to talk about yeah <laughs> guitar and we need to talk about harmony and we need to talk about. You know, and you can learn a lot of that foundationally from almost any kind of music. Right, this is true. So, but when I was, yeah, so that was when I was seven and that faded uh, pretty quickly. And then I, in fourth grade, I uh, chose clarinet. So I didn't have some, like with my music parents, because also my mom is the daughter of two classical musicians. So there was all this like music sort of uh, in in the house and, and I felt like basically you know, in thinking about it now, it's like, oh, I, I, pro- I would have grown up like some kid who got put in lessons when he was two, but I didn't like, they just kind of let me do my own thing. I was playing a lot of sports, yeah. you know, whatever, pretty regular, like suburban upbringing. And then at some point I picked the clarinet in fourth grade. I remember being in sixth grade and I was doing well with the clarinet. I was like first chair, you know, <laughs> yeah. in the, in the band <laughs> <laughs> and they had a jazz band audition and told him I wanted to do clarinet in the band and they were like, Oh, we don't have clarinet and jazz band. I remember telling my dad and he was like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> have yeah, you ever yeah. heard of Benny Goodman? Benny Goodman, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember going to a friend's house after school and he had an LP of, uh, houses of the Holy, the fifth oh, yeah. Zeppelin oh, album. Yeah. And he put it on the ocean and that, Changed my life, man. I remember hearing just like, yes, and I I lost my mind. I remember like freaking out and just like I had just been shot with lightning. And I uh, around the same time I had had a conversation with my dad where I said, "Man, the the band, the school band 
is slowing down. You know, and it's like frustrating me. And I was like, yeah. Dad, why why is this happening? I feel like we just always slow down. The whole ensemble slows down. And he was like, drummer can't hang, man. <laughs> Drum, drummer's got bad time. Yes, jazz dad. That's <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. So, so then I, I heard I heard Zeppelin and John Bonham and I and I came right home, told my dad, like, I'm gonna be a drummer. Yeah. You know, and my dad was thrilled. Uh, which in retrospect, very lucky to have parents that were like excited to have a drum kit in the house. Yeah. I was going to say that's like insane, you know, yeah. but my dad, my dad got me a drum kit pretty, pretty quickly, uh, cheap kit. And I totally took to it and started studying with a teacher and then was shedding every day and shedding after school every day. But then I joined a band with, with some, you know, frid, uh, kid friends of mine and, and, uh, we didn't have a singer, so I start. I was singing because I always liked singing, but I yeah. never really back then thought of myself as like, "Oh, you're a this or you're a that." I yeah. just kind of did it. Yeah, you know, it's one of the great things. And about so being you were a playing kid. drums and singing at that point. That was my first, first experience in a band. Okay, okay. Which I didn't cool. know enough to know a if anyone had ever done that. It yeah. didn't even occur to me. B, like yeah, if that was weird or not weird, or C, if that was supposed to be hard. Yeah, like it just was what I was doing, you know. But as I started singing more, I started, and then I got into Hendrix, and then I yeah. was, you know, I was like, oh, what's this thing? And it was like, oh, man, I think I actually want to play guitar. So my dad got me this $20 acoustic guitar, and I played that for, you know, the next couple of years trying to teach myself how to play. And I remember actually even pressing the fret down, and I wasn't pressing hard enough to even fret the note. Yeah. And I thought like, oh, this thing's this thing doesn't work. It's broken. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's kind of where I started on guitar. Like no you know, it took it guitar's hard. It took took yeah. a minute to kind of get that going. And then but then I was listening to all this rock and Hendrix and you know, sixties and seventies rock and roll and that was all electric guitar ripping and then I got into oh, yeah. Steve Ray Vaughan and that was a, but I had an acoustic. Yeah. You know, so I had this weird transition where I was basically terrible at electric for a while because I had spent years like playing acoustic way too hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's probably and good for I, your hands though. Yeah. I think it, I think it was, it was good for hand strength, but I had like no finesse. Right. Uh, you know, it took me a while to like, it's still taking me, I'm still working on that. That, uh, that seems to take a while, you know, to just to, to get to that point where like, you know, the, finesse or you know you know how there's certain people where you like hear two notes and you know it's them i always wonder like when that yes. happened like when did bb right. pick up a guitar and just it sang the way that bb plays one note you know what i mean yeah um i don't know I, I know that i know that the first time i picked up a guitar it, it sounded like just so bad so horrible <laughs> uh, well you in your interview with Derek trucks it sounded like he sort of started touring like within a couple months of playing or something. Yeah, I, that blows me away. It blows me That's away. That's crazy. I th and for him, he like had a slide. If, if He was like born with a slide on his hand, you know? Yeah, that's the um, weirdest thing, man. But yeah, I mean, I think there's... Everybody has that in them, I think. I think it's like yeah. the, it's figuring out how to like let it flourish. And I think it's different personalities yeah, like allow that to flow through you. And then certain people like point. overthink it or whatever, sure. you know, or I they think, go, 
let me play some baseball or right. I don't want to do that or yeah, yeah. Right. It's interesting when the things culminate. I mean, I think for him and I think for you too, having your family be like supportive and like understand music and like oh, the yeah. life of being a musician and supporting that. I had that too. Like my parents loved, they both were creative people. Um, so I think having that support is massive, you know, it's so massive. It, it makes, if I feel like it's a difference between it having, yeah. you know, going for any further or not is I knew a bunch of talented people growing up, but most of them didn't think this was an option. Right, so, right. You know, and then when I got to college and I was in music school, it was like, okay, everybody here, by definition of being here, they all also had that support, yeah, yeah. you know? And then you, you realize, like, it's it's pretty rare to meet somebody who didn't have that support make it all the way to being a professional. Please stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. What changed everything for me, and I'm, I'm wondering, I, I, I want to hear your version of this as far as the Wolfpack guys, or just not even just Wolfpack, but the crew, your crew of musicians. Like when I met the Lettuce guys and realized there was other people my age that were like obsessed with music the way that I am, you know, and that had, sure because you know in my hometown I was totally an outcast in terms of that. Right. Like, like I was the only, <laughs> you know, like the other, I'd, like they, people would come over and be like, what, like even the ones that played, like they didn't go for it the way I did, yeah, where it was like all day long Zeppelin yeah, records, yeah. learning every Zeppelin Hendrix, yeah, shri- yeah, Hendrix yeah. shrine in my corner. They're yeah, like, damn, yeah, this yeah. kid's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And then I got to, totally. to the, I went to the five week, program the summer program at berkeley and within a couple yeah, of days killer. with Dyche, schmeens uh eric coombs zoid like all wow, those guys man. and all and we were i was like we all were in we had like different things that connected us like in terms like we all loved herbie hancock we all for some cool. reason had just discovered the albums <laughs> headhunters and and thrust at the same time Damn. and all Damn. within like five minutes of meeting each other like discussed that and then like that's by that night we were like best friends you know yeah when you find like, we're gonna someone, play for the next 10 years together <laughs> it's crazy how like an album or an artist can make people closer as you know that's like all true, of a sudden man. you're like i love that guy <laughs> you know dude yeah if it's funny but uh i forget where i was going with all that except for like when you find other people that have that same thing and 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 again with all of those guys like they had families that like supported that music so when you got so did you have a similar experience when you got to university of michigan i did i had it was actually not with the wolf crew until after i had graduated because they were a couple years younger than me so i didn't know them yet but i i ran in with a couple people five or six people that I've had that similar experience with where it was like, we started talking about records we loved and it was like, Oh man. And then pretty soon that turned into like caring more about the band and hanging and jamming and, you know, being creative than doing my schoolwork, you know, which got a little like (laughs) at some point, I mean, everybody kind of goes through this where it's like, you know, I'm touring now. Yeah, like, why yeah. am I in school? <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and uh, so every one of us kind of was like, should we just drop out and go for it? But 
we didn't really have enough going on to do that with with uh the band at the time so everybody kind of finished and then the band broke up and then i was hanging around ann arbor working on my solo records trying to be a singer songwriter and teaching you know 40 students a week working a restaurant job and just losing my mind going crazy hanging out all the time playing all the time the whole thing and then uh that's when i met uh jack and joe and I, i actually had this crazy experience with joe where i realized over the years that there was a festival called bliss fest in northern michigan still still around and uh probably in 2000 like six i had played up there and my band was called my dear disco we were like an electronic dance sort of but live what were you playing in that band i was playing guitar and singing background vocals okay but we had an incredible lead singer female lead singer who was just like holy shit yeah. You know, and it was yeah. like, okay, that's she's got to be the the lead. But I was in that band. Joey Dosick was in that band. A bunch of you know, so a couple of us from the Wolf Crew were yeah. were in that band. And Tyler Duncan, the guy who produced my last two records, including Heartbreak Hits, he was also yeah. in that band. Oh, cool. And so we're up at this festival, and we're we're like, you know, listening to the the bands, and there was we were supposed to have like the cream of the crop, you know, late night, you know, dance set or whatever, you know, that like that Saturday night, whatever prime slot. And there was a band the night before us that was a local band that had won a competition from their high school. And so they got the like Friday night slot and we were, we happened to be there that night. And so we were like, let's go check them out. You know, we're kind of, you know, trying to (laughs) size them up. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, talking (laughs) shit and whatever. And I remember being like, yeah, whatever these cats, whatever, you know? And then at some point I was like, damn, actually that bass player is pretty good. And then I was like, holy crap, that bass player is yeah. insane. And I turned to our bass player, and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And I would find out years later that that was 14-year-old Joe Dart. Okay, makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. I didn't meet him until he was, you know, until four or five years later, and it was like, we, we ended up piecing, uh, putting the pieces together. And then one thing even crazier is that uh, this last year, or at some point in the last two years, I was on tour with Joe for my project and we were driving in the van and we start talking and we get to basically realize that his grandfather, who was a very successful uh, session violinist in LA, actually toured with my mom's dad when they were wow. in their 20s in, a cl- in an orchestra. Crazy. So we had this, we had this moment like, holy crap. And everybody That's wakes insane. up in the back of the van. It's just me and him driving. How did front. you put like, it together? Well, so we knew that my dad, I knew that my dad knew Joe's grandfather. Right. They were like contemporaries. Joe's grandfather would have been a little older, but my dad was yeah. basically grandpa age. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? So, um, we, we knew they knew each other, but they hadn't, we were like, I wonder if they've ever worked together. And then. Somehow it occurred to me just like to Google search the, the, his name. And I ended up putting in my mom's dad's name because he was a classical musician. And yeah. my dad was a jazz guy. So, you know, the crossover there wouldn't have really happened as much. Yeah. And within one Google search, I get this like article about Joe's dad and my grandfather. 
Wow. Playing with touring with Tuscanini in like 19, you know, I don't know, 40 or something. That's crazy shit. Crazy. So that was cool. And so when did, uh, so from there, um, I know, meanwhile, you're writing songs and making, you, did you make a solo record before Volpec formed? Uh, yes. I, well, I guess it was around the same time. It's sort of hard for me to remember because it's also funny to say this now, but like Volpec was a total, like absolutely side project, like to the max like yeah, we got yeah. together once yeah 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 literally one time and recorded an album that same day without yeah. any rehearsal yeah so so i had like i think i was mid either mid working on or had just finished my uh my first record around that time um that i had been you know working it on for right lot, right and know, that's romance without finance yes which i love i love that title oh yeah so thanks. you made yeah, well, so was, you made that record in michigan I did. Yeah. Okay. I made that at my friend, uh, Devin's house who, um, he had a built, built out a house into a, like a, a studio. And, um, that was part of the reason I stayed in Ann Arbor after I graduated in 08. I just was like, I had this opportunity to live with Devin and, yeah. and make, make that record. And then he actually, do you, do you use any of the good Hertz plugins? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So that's his company. So oh, he's, that's him. Okay. Yeah, he I went think on you to design all those. Yeah, I love yeah, it. I yeah. use it all the time. Use it all the time. <laughs> yeah, that stuff's great. Yeah. The wow. I love the wow. The wow is yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> he actually has my, uh, yeah, he's he's working on some stuff all the time. The the wow is actually modeled after my uh, my Studer two-track machine that oh, my cool. grandparents had. And also the uh, the cassette model is from my uh Tascam Porta Studio. Oh, uh, yep, I had one of those. Yeah. <laughs> which which one? Which Tascam did you have? I had the four two four Mark two. Yeah, killer. And that, that I made a bunch of that record, the, that first album, With Romance Without Finance, on one of those. Oh, nice. By accident, because I was like, oh, I'll do my demos on it, and yeah, then it was yeah. like, shit, I can't, <laughs> I can't beat this. Yeah, the demos are killing. I know that's a lot of times how it is. I had the yeah. the old old one. I don't remember what model that was, but it was the big square one that was heavy. And then for sure. a while I had the 8 track like rack one. But it was you were fig- but, but it was messed. I mean, it sounded so crazy cuz you're doing 8 tracks on these tiny little cassettes. I bet um, that was really really weird. But I weird, had like yeah. the little mixer that was made to go with it that I found like a couple years after I had that and it sounded so cool cuz you could flip it from input to um you know could flip the inputs so you could like cool. run it back out which like oh, every sweet. time I'd have anyone over to do vocals it would feed back into their headphones. Oh you no. Cuz I'd, I'd hit it and be like Burr! <laughs> got a lot of Thanks Kraz, mad- I'm deaf now. <laughs> um yeah, well, I want to talk a little bit about your two things, your songwriting process and okay. like, what were some of your influences that that got you into songwriting and where were like, were you, did you start writing, you know, at an early age? Like when were you starting to write lyrics and, and full songs? I remember having, I don't know, maybe when I was in like sixth grade or something or fifth grade feeling like I had some lyrics, but the other day I was listening to, uh, that band Everclear. Oh yeah. Remember them? Uh huh. And you know, we can live inside the ocean. You know that, that tune. And I think, I think I was basically, I had ripped them off. Like I had ripped that melody off. Wow. 
but that was like I, I I realized that the other day driving in the car and that song came on and I was like well, I think this is the first song I thought I ever wrote, but it wasn't. I think it was just their That's song. That's funny. <laughs> but I was messing around with with melodies and lyrics and whatnot then. And then uh, I, when I ha- when I joined my own, when we started a band in, in high school, that's when I started to really like write songs for the band. Yeah. And you know they were not very good, I think, but they were they were deep. You know, I yeah. was trying to say stuff that I cared about that that I felt. And, and then, you know, I went to college and kind of like auditioned for drums in college. Cause I thought that's what I do in school and I'll can maybe get a scholarship and whatever. And then I was all of a sudden I'm in the jazz band and university of Michigan. And I'm feeling like, Oh man, I want to just, all I want to do is play guitar and sing and write. And so by the end of that whole stint, I had started to really try to just like get serious about songwriting. And that's when I made my first record, but I didn't, I wasn't one of those kids that had like, you know, I just write a song every day and I have like 150 songs right, before right. age 15. It was a bit of a later uh, pursuit for me, but then I, I started to take it seriously and like, you know, really try to like study um, yeah. and listen to stuff that I, that I, you know, try to figure out like, what do I love and what's, what's really happening here? It's so esoteric. Yeah. I was going to say like, like studying songwriting is such a, um, it's, it's not like playing guitar, playing an instrument where you can literally like learn techniques that kind of guide you towards something. I know. Um, I know it's so bizarre. Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of things sometimes like when I'm actually got, have my shit together, I'll try to do like exercises, like writing down stream of conscience. Those are things that are based on maybe a theme or whatever that maybe you'll get lines out of or get inspiration out of. Right. But, um, generally for me, it's like an idea just pops up from a conversation or something and I'll like put it away and visit it later or something like sure. that. Is that yes. one something like, what are some, some inspiration? Yeah. Do you remember like moments that inspired certain songs? Cause I, I listen to your songs a lot and That's you're, so cool, you're one man. of the, you're one Thanks. of the like few current artists that give me the, Oh shit. I wish I'd wrote written that feeling. Oh sweet. <laughs> <laughs> they oh, have I'm a so lot of songs that. like that. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool, I'm curious, um, your process a little, everyone has a different sure. one. And, and one thing I will say is that probably every song had a slightly different process to it. Um, yeah, there, that is the weird thing is that there's, yeah, you're right. But there, there's there, I've noticed that, that while every song might have its own process, I noticed that there's, there are some patterns where it's like, it's less likely to get done. I've noticed, yeah. and I don't know why, if the idea that I have is, isn't the chorus first. Interesting. So like I often get a chorus. Yeah. I'll just get a chorus and then I'm like, how do I get here? You know, how do I arrive to this chorus? Yeah. Whereas when I, I, at the times that I get a line that's like a verse line, it's almost like a bridge that just stops getting built somewhere. It's like, oh, there it goes sort of halfway over the water and it's just, but that's interesting. (laughs) It stopped. And I'm like, I can't, I don't know where this goes. Yeah. Um, Whereas I have friends that, that they almost only ever write the song from the first lyric to the end. Yeah. And I'm just, I don't understand that as much. Or that doesn't, that's not as natural for me. Yeah. Um, I think that the times that I've tried, I mean, I think it has happened either way for me, but definitely I never really like broke it down that way though. But the, the, a lot of times if I write lines first and not the chorus that I'll spend way too much time trying to figure out what the chorus is and like maybe right. never get there or get too frustrated and leave it. Um, yeah. 
which is all good too. You know, I mean, it's 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 so it's so bizarre. The 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 wrangling of stuff into a song is such a weird thing, and and it does it is different. You know, every time sort of. So there, it's not like I I aim for that. I'm just more of noticing that that's kind of what'll happen. That when you were talking to John Mayer and he said, I think he said songwriting is a full contact blood sport with yourself <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> that's amazing dude i yeah. love that that's that's kind of how it feels to me also in terms of the like trying to get you know your trying to get something that you love that feels connected and you feel like zing zing by you know yeah and all that but it's uh it's hard um i definitely have noticed that ideas tend to come to me when I'm in motion, like if I'm driving or if I'm running. Yes. Um, and I like to run. I got into swimming at one point, yeah. like for exercise and it's, it's the best feeling. Yeah. Like it's such a great workout, but I never got any songwriting ideas. That's so great. I've so never I was like, heard that it. from anyone else, but that's like half of my last album was all, I was like running a lot in yeah, Brooklyn dude. and I ended up writing this, the album is really like about my neighborhood and it all happened from that, like all from like running or walking. I did know. not know. I mean, I, I knew, I knew that, that conceptually that you were that's a bit of what you were doing on the record, but I didn't know that was all while you were running. Oh, I didn't, I've never talked about that. And it wasn't That's like I crazy. wrote the entire thing, but generally like the inspire inspiration for each song for most of the songs was like while I was running and then I like ran faster to get home. Yeah, like, exactly. Put it, like, put do, it <laughs> do you do you ever bring a phone with you or something that you can record? Always. On? So that's all every single song like ever for the past eight years or however long I've had voice memos has yes. been voice memo voice memos like into my into my phone, you know. Me too, man. Isn't and that I, amazing? And I have tons of them. And then, like, what happens is I don't really do this so much for my own music, but like a lot of times, if I'm writing with someone else, I'll scroll. If we like don't have something already started, I'll scroll through because I've got like hundreds sure. of them. And like, oh, hopefully, yeah, and some of it's just like me beatboxing something with a bass line. Yeah, <laughs> and then some dude. of it's like me talking or me singing something. I but, know it can be so it can be so little there can be just like the tiniest little like uh just like piece of sauce that you're like this has something good in it this is a good nugget yeah, yeah. um it's so it's so weird to think about like what gets finished and what doesn't I, I I think also in the mayor interview he was saying some I think he said like if it doesn't get finished I guess it wasn't good enough or something like that Right. See, that's something that I think is different for different writers. Cause like what, that's not really true for me. Yeah. yeah I was going to say for me, and this is what I want to ask you and I keep relating it to me. I don't, I don't know why I keep talking about myself. Well, no, you wait, show. cause you're, you're a great artist as well. But, you know, no, you, but, you, but you do I, the same thing because I, because it makes me curious of how you do it. But like, um, I tend to write, like make a bunch of songs, you know what I mean? Or not even full songs. And then if it doesn't get me really excited, I leave it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, so I end up with a lot of scraps and then if it's good enough, I do try to like fully take it to the end, but I end up with a lot of, like, I guess what I'm saying is like when you're making a record, do you record 20 songs and put out 10 or do you just really, do you put out all the ones you finish? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So that's a good question. I, I would like to be the kind of guy that makes, you know, a hundred, yeah. records a hundred songs and chooses 10. Yeah. But the fact is, and I've thought about this a lot over the years, I think actually those unfinished things that you've talked about, let's say you have 20 of those or whatever, yeah. 
but you listen through and they don't really zing you. Yeah, yeah. I think that's as good as recording them. You know, I, yeah, it's sort of yeah. like, look, that's those are the 20 songs you didn't record. Yeah, you know what I mean? You don't yeah. you don't need them you don't need to go full production with those cuz right, right. they don't actually excite you that much. It doesn't mean they're not good. And sometimes someone else could hear one and be like, "Dude, I love that." Yeah. And and you know, it's like, "Okay, but I don't." Yeah. You know, and and I feel like in order for you to get out on a stage and play a song, you really do have to love it enough for you to feel like this is me. This is going to be yeah. something that represents me. So if if somebody else goes like, "Oh man, you should have done that one. That could have been huge." It's like, well, I don't care. Yeah, because you know? because <laughs> then best case scenario, it does go huge, and then you have to sing it all the time. <laughs> and you hate it. Yeah, exactly. That's that's something I like totally man. I remember yeah. learning that at some point. It was like, yeah. listen, you're. Uh, it's sort of like if you if you get to that point where you're recording something, you you have to love it because, like you said, yeah, if it's you're trying to get this to be heard by yeah. the world, you yeah. know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I would for my last record, I ended up probably with close to twenty songs, and I was, but I only recorded twelve of them. Right. But I right. I did that. I, it's like I could have recorded more of them, and I think a couple of them are good. Yeah, but I, yeah. I sort of don't think they're going to ever get recorded because I've kind of moved on. And yeah, I don't think that's the end of the world. You know, well, it's, sometimes it's, things come back around. I mean, you, you never yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. It's never, exactly. it's never a waste for a couple of reasons. One, you may use the song and, or it's like you learn something in that process every time. Absol- uh, you know? Absolutely. Um, and I do think the songwriting thing is a muscle. I have to believe it's a muscle. Yeah. Because I've heard enough of my favorite songwriters say it's a muscle. So it's like, yeah. you know, the more you do it, I do think you get better at it. And uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to uh, sort of construct my life in such a way that I can give myself more and more time to to practice, you and know, do to you, work on that. Do you do like co-writing sessions? Like, is, are, are your songs and your records all written by you or do you ever... Um, Those... The vast majority of them at this point are all written by me. I think there's one, there's one on Heartbreak Hits that I wrote with Joey Dosick, uh, Lost and Found, that song. But the yeah. others, the others are like, I'll finish a song and bring it in. Um, at least when I'm working with Tyler, what we've done is that's like, here are the tunes. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, cool. And sometimes he's like, great, let's record it. And other times he's like, huh, I wonder if, and then he goes like, bam you know and you're like that's the chord yes yeah, that's yeah, the chord yeah, and yeah. so that's that's like a little bit less of like a pure co-write and more of like it's uh like producing arranging it, exactly a little bit of, yeah that's and always- i do and those those things are integral you know and i give them i i definitely give them writing credit on on all that stuff yeah um so um and then on the new record i had uh this song called like a woman scorned and it was just like a really intense topic to to engage with and i i actually sent it out to a couple of my favorite uh female songwriters and sort of just to see what their gut reactions were and they all sort of said the same thing which was like huh we don't really know what you're trying to say here like you haven't made your sarcasm clear enough yeah so then i kind of and one of them sent me back some uh some feedback my friend may early wine who's 
one of the best songwriters I know, she sent me like specific lines in some cases. And then I, and then I rewrote and then she gave me feedback and then I rewrote, I rewrote that song like five times. Yeah, Yeah. And by the end of it, there was a couple instances where it was like, man, your lyric is the better lyric, you know? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're going with it. So, um, th- those have been the, the, the sort of ways that I've done the collaborative stuff, but mostly it's like my own songs. I, I'm really open to the co-writing thing, but I have yet to really find that it works that well for me. I, I'm not really sure why. I think it's because it's, it's that I often write with other people that have a similar kind of process. Right. So we end up being a little more like North, North magnet, you know? Totally. In terms of, it's like when I write with my buddy Tyler, it's it's great because he's like amazing harmonically, and he has great lyrical suggestions, but he doesn't feel like the need to really do that as much. Whereas I feel like the need to do that. Yeah. So we can kind of you know collaborate well, but I find a lot of times when I write with another singer songwriter, it just ends up being like each of us likes our own lyric better, and it's like okay, right, right. I've been in that situation too. Um, yeah. And do you find that when, you know, as far as your process, do you have times where you say, or you say, okay, tomorrow, Tuesday at noon, I'm going to write, or is it kind of like yeah. you, you get sparks of inspira- inspiration and then sit down? Or is it even like you have sparks of inspiration and you wait for the rest of it to come? <laughs> well, I, yeah, no, man, this is the biggest question. Yeah. I think this is the biggest question yeah. in, in what we do, Yeah, you know? And I've, I've read, um, I, I highly recommend the book, the war of art to anybody listening. Okay. I love that book. That, that book has been the most, um, for me, that's like the most effect, the, the, just the biggest kapow to the, yeah you know, that I needed in terms of, um, uh, talking about the, the, the creative process and what it like takes struggle wise sometimes. Um, but for me, the, the, most reliable thing I can do is get into a rhythm of like sitting down every day for at least three hours. Yeah. And you know, then you go like, well, when, and it's like, well, probably in the beginning part of the day, because after you checked your email for six hours straight, you know, you're kind of exhausted. Yeah. Um, so I, it's not like it's like every morning at 8am, but I, but when I'm in a mode of really trying to write, it's, it's definitely like phone off, sit down, set timer yeah, and see what happens, you know? Cool. And then, you know, if nothing happens, it's not a waste. Like you yeah. tried. Yeah. But, the, but of course ideas come whenever they come, but it's just unreliable, you know, cause you'll be like, Oh, I'm at the grocery store. I can't, yeah. you know what I, mean? right, <laughs> I can't right. do that. So then, like you said, I mean, if you, if you save those fragments, you need some time to be able to just pop in and be like, I'm going to work on this now. Do you have uh, moments where you listen to a song and go, oh, I want to create something with that type of energy or that type of vibe and then set out on on that mission? That feeling has been happening more and more to me lately. Yeah. Like I'm trying to listen for... Uh, so, so to answer your question, I haven't actually done that yet. Yeah. I haven't... I have never been like, we're going to make a Fleetwood Mac thing. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that I, it's a good exercise to do it, but I think it can be a little dangerous Definitely. if you're not careful because you end up, guess what? You're a good enough musician. Like you can sound exactly like that thing you're going for. Right. Well, I think what you got to do is at least what I, when I've used that method 
It's generally when I'm writing with other people, you know, because, you know, when you're writing with other people, it's like, okay, I have a session with this guy. We got to come up with something cool. Um, Right, right, right. You know, and so there's a little more pressure than making your own record where you're by yourself. You're like, oh, I could just make tea, you know. Um, Right. But but in that case, what happens is you let every left turn happen and you'll end up with you may end up with something that sounds absolutely nothing like it but it'll get yes. you excited in the beginning of like absolutely you know, dude. and maybe it's maybe you'll just take like the snare sound or maybe it's the tempo or maybe but yes uh, yes you know. i would like to do that more actually going forward because so far i've have been lucky enough to have enough weird uh, like spark of ideas just come to me that i that have no context yeah so i'm all of a sudden i'm like writing this song now i guess you know well i i kind of hated on the process on that idea of the process back in the day and then i did a session with jerry wonder and wyclef or the other guys that did all the fuji stuff whatever and their whole thing is um and i hope i'm not blowing them up but their whole thing (laughs) is is like Oh, this the the drum feel uh, drum feel from this like reggae record, but the bass line from this like classic funk, and then the melody line from that, and they just superimpose. But then by wow. the time they are, they're done, that's how they make these like hit records, and they put their they, sure they implement like their own shit and it becomes them you know what i mean yeah, that's but totally. they, they're very like all about referencing and i had never done it up to that point and then i left that session and when they started doing it i was like oh man like that's kind of weird and then at the end i was like that was genius yeah you man know? oh that's amazing that sounds that's because the yeah i mean that stuff sounds totally like wyclef anytime right, you hear right. that kind of thing you're like whoa yeah, he's so that's the best great. At it. And also he knows how to find the best stuff and and perform it the right way and um but Yeah, anyway, that's I, a, I would I would love to try that flow to yeah, be honest. Yeah. I think I think there's a lot of creativity that can can be had there. I guess sure. what I'm trying to do with my music which you know, I don't think we choose any of this. It's sort of just like you find yourself going like what what excites you, yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's like I'm trying to discover stuff that that's somewhere that's coming through me like creatively uh and it usually has to do with a lyrical idea that sparks my interest and and is accompanied by a melody at the same time yeah and then it's like okay what key is this in you know and then it's like where could these changes go and i like following that train and and i have i've as i get older i have to admit to myself that like if i do that guess what? It might not be a hit. <laughs> right. You right. know, like, I don't know if it's going to be popular. I really don't. I think I have my own criteria that like, if it passes my criteria, it might pass yours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but I think there, I think there's a sort of crossroads you get to where there's like, listen, if you want this to be more banging, you might need to make a right turn here. Yeah. And if you're not sure that that matters to you, you're going to, you know, you, it might not be as banging. <laughs> Right. I was relating to that when you were saying about having ten bangers on a record. Yeah, I'm. I was. I, I, that's a, such an issue for me too. Is is being like, oh, it's got to be. You know, I kind of want to let that go. I want to be able to like, right, let that go somehow. Well, I think you, know you have. That's one thing I could say about you as an artist, though, is that your stuff is so catchy, but also funny it's like like you said it's sarcastic it's like you yeah. can hear your personality in it a lot of times when you hear stuff that's really catchy and poppy that it's to get to that place the personality gets sucked out of it to a certain degree right because it's right, something right. anyone could sing most of your songs 
set, like not that I can't really hear other people singing them. You know what I mean? Which totally. is which is important. I mean, you also I also love how you talk about like you're a songwriter and you talk about songwriting in your songs. You know what I yeah. mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> totally. Crappy, yeah, crappy got, love song and pop song I know. are both I know. kind of about your process of writing a song. And it's funny. And totally. me, when I heard those songs, I was like laughing. That's you know? awesome, man. But it's also yeah. catchy. And I don't know if anyone, if everyone gets all of the sarcasm. I hope they do. Yeah. I, but, no, I think you're, that's a good point. It's why, it's why it ends up maybe being a little bit more of a niche thing. But, you yeah. know, in terms of the music industry and where this is all going, uh, I think... Today, more than ever, you artists have the potential to build a career off of like, you know, the thing they do, that yeah. they do well, that, that maybe reaches a thousand people, but doesn't reach a hundred thousand. Right. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe reaches 10,000, but doesn't reach a million. Um, which is, you know, that's one of the things that totally blows my mind about Mayer is that he really... I feel like he's retained personality while absolutely hitting the yeah the catchy bullseye like like you said for multiple decades yeah that's wild it's and, hard to do you know it is hard continuum to do. continuum was like such an influential yeah it's a classic record. even yeah. just even just the concept of what it is like the yeah. things that are brought together there yeah it's like that's exactly what I was trying to do without even knowing it. You know, it's yeah. like, okay, let's see. It's Steve Jordan. You know, it's my favorite drummer. Yeah. And it's that level of guitar playing. Yeah. And it's that level of hooks. And it's that level of like and Pino lyrical cleverness. Yeah. And Pino. Exactly. <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick message from our sponsors. It's funny because when you and I, I saw your performance in Brooklyn and you had put out, I think it was right when Heartbreak Hits like came out or maybe uh -huh. it was a little bit after. And you I, came to Baby's All Right, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. And yeah. I didn't know what to expect when I came to the show. I mean, I knew it was going to be great, but not only was the band like so killing and you, the versions were like better than the record, but also yeah. like everybody in the crowd like sang all the choruses. And I was, it was so awesome yeah. to me because I was like, wondering like that was when i was talking to people trying to like sign you know you and do all these things yeah. and i was like i wonder because i was loving it and it was translating to me so clearly you know but i was like i i didn't know that anyone else like knew it <laughs> you know what i mean to and i totally. came to that gig not knowing because i knew everyone knew wolfpack at that point sure but i thought well, that oh, was i thought maybe oh all these wolfpack fans are gonna come there and but and like it but not necessarily know it but i was wrong yeah everybody well, totally. knew it <laughs> I was like, I was oh, afraid shit. of that too. For yeah. the record, I, I yeah. was. That was sort of a proving ground tour of like, and even I don't know if I'll ever get over that because this last tour too, I was like, as soon every time it goes up a notch, yeah, I'm like, all right, when are they just gonna be coming to hear like a song I'm not even gonna play? You know, are yeah, they gonna yeah. just be coming to hear a Wolf song? But like, they that's been a that's been one of my most uh, things I'm most proud of and feel most grateful for is that people sing like all the words. Yeah. You know, and, and they're, and so I don't know why that's happening, man. Other than 
I think that part of it is like that I haven't, that I have been independent for so long that it's like whoever's there is there because they're a fan or they're open to being a fan. Right. And so, you know, it doesn't, it, you know, we, I mean, you can do, you know, not huge tours yet, but like, you know, we did Brooklyn steel and whatnot. And it yeah. was like, that's a good size room to be able to, you to don't want to play bigger than that. <laughs> it's, you know, I know what I mean? It's not enjoyable bigger than that, <laughs> know, to be man. totally honest with you. I um, know. My manager was like, what's your next LA play? And I was like, uh, I don't know. He's like, what do you mean? You don't know. I said, I never really thought beyond the Fonda. Yeah. <laughs> and he's that's, like, you don't want to go bigger than that. I mean, sure. Monetarily, I guess you do, but like, you yeah. don't, um, the but, actual experience of playing a club show is like yeah. so slamming, but it is amazing. And, and you've had like patience and, and you've been so steady with your, your output and the quality of it that now that you've built this, even though it may have taken longer than like getting a record deal 10 years ago or 15 sure. years ago, it's yeah. never going away and you're in full control of it. You can do anything you want, you know? Thanks, man. I, 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 I like to think that's that, that was the plan and or that was the hope. You yeah. know, and I, I do think, I do think that's true. I feel, I don't mean to sound like a, like, uh, like this should be like a hubris thing in terms of it's never going away. But I feel like when people have, especially with COVID, there's been a ton of fear in our industry, which is very well founded. Yeah. People are like, man, people are going to forget about you. And it's like, I actually don't think they will, man. Yeah. Because, you know, I haven't forgotten about Eric Krasno. Yeah. I haven't forgotten about Brandy Carlisle. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't, I don't forget about the artists I love. The artists you love are the artists you love, and and I just, I would, I would be so happy to be that artist for you know a certain amount of people that'll come every year for the rest of their life. Right. That's like what I want to do. For you sure. know, but that doesn't mean I mean I, I'm open to uh, you know having the right record deal and whatnot. I th I think, and I was actually very grateful that you not only offered me that deal, but also that you understood that I, when I was like, you know this is really dope, but I just, I sort of need to do this myself for sure at this sure. point, you know, like it doesn't really matter what the offer is. Like I'm probably going to not yeah. take that cause I needed to do that myself. But now, now I'd be down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll talk again. Hey, what's up, Chris? Uh, but, uh, yeah, well, I think there's d definitely different reasons. I mean, for me, like I, I put out the last, my last record completely just like, Boom, you know, like yeah, with nothing, yeah. with no, nothing, and not with my my partners or anything. It was just like, you know, yeah, okay. I use a distributor, but right. um, you know, and there's pluses and minuses to both. You know, what I mean, it's like sure. you kind of like it's great to have like a team behind you, partly so you have someone to like blame. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, wait, that right, didn't happen like you. this last time. It was like, <laughs> oh, once. well, that didn't happen, but that's because, oh, I didn't hire the per this person. I didn't hire radio. I didn't do a radio campaign. I didn't do a, yeah. a lot of the things because right. I was like, oh, this is just like this art project. I'm just going to make these videos, and if people like it, they like videos it. Videos are dope, by the way, Th man. It's thank really, you. Really, thank I mean, you. the whole the, the way the whole thing works is so dope. I, you know, I think it was a little abstract, and it was also, I put it out like under a slightly different name, which kind of confused right, people. Right. But anyway, the point being like, you know, sometimes like having that machine so you don't have to like worry about it um but I, it's funny because record deals are so they're different now too because it's like generally you're gonna know what they are yeah i don't it's like it's more of a partnership because you've in most cases 
Like you don't want you don't need an A and R guy telling you what to do. You just need someone that you right. hand them the record and they blow it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. But how, yeah, essentially. But yeah, how do you do exactly. that? We don't really know. You know. Um, I know. And and then there's the whole thing of like you know my one of my best friends is is Steve Jobs, as I like to say, which yeah. is like Jack Stratton is like yeah. It's like having Steve Jobs in your right in your Rolodex and being like, what would you do for marketing? Right. And he's like, well, I would do that. You know, and you're like, oh, right. shit. <laughs> well, that, okay. Thank you for the segue. Cause I was trying to get there. Um, and, uh, I, I'm curious, like how the Wolfpack inception, like did Jack have it kind of laid out? Did he have a plan or was it kind of, you guys came together and ideas popped in at the right time? And, well, you know, yeah, Jack, I knew Jack was really special. Yeah. I mean, Jack's really special. He's also just like one of my best friends, you yeah. know? So he's, we're like, we're, we're deep homies regardless of, of anything else. That's sort of the foundation of it. And we, but I was so drawn to him, like intellectually, we would just like have these, you know, we'd talk all day. We'd just walk around Ann Arbor, like drinking coffee and just like freaking out about you know <laughs> yeah but this is like before spotify was even a thing yeah it's it's sort of hard to imagine now but it's like i remember we were sort of at the end of the fully indie like hey you should if you're a band you know make a bunch of cdrs and like tour in concentric circles and you know start in this town and then play the next town and that yeah. was the whole approach you know yeah and and there was itunes and you could sell discs and whatever but i had just quit a band that i was totally burnt on that hustle with yeah so jack asked me to get together and i was like yeah i'll totally get together but if there's one thing i won't do it's join a band like i can't join a band yeah. he's like yeah it's all good we'll just get together every once in a while do a youtube thing and i'm kind of going okay yeah. what's a youtube thing i don't even know what that is you know so we would film this session and then we'd go away and jack would do whatever he wanted with the video because jack was sort of becoming an amazing video yeah. editor at the yeah. time. He already was really great, but so I started to notice like, damn, Jack kind of like understands the internet. Right. You know, like I don't even know how to say it any other way. It was just like Jack is, and then it just started to get clearer and clearer. It's like Jack's on the front freaking line of the web, man. Yeah. He's playing the web like a violin. Like right. <laughs> this is, right. this is kind of incredible. And and then it was just like, wow, now Jack's just kind of pranking the web. Like Jack's yeah. just, Jack's like punking people. He's like trolling like the entire music industry. He's like pulling one over on Spotify. Like yeah. he told me that idea for the silent album and I told him it was a bad idea because I, I was scared. Had you guys <laughs> already created an album? Pre you guys had already put out music before that. We had done a couple things. We basically did a release a year. Right. From starting in, I think, 2011 or 10. And yeah, so we did that like at some, but yeah, Jack just basically it, it started to evolve, but the entire time we were always having deep conversations about the music business and like, you know, a group and whatever. I, but it was, it wasn't really clear that it was going to be Wolfpack, if, if that makes sense to me anyway, yeah. it sort of just felt like, we're getting together and having a blast and it's, I know he was a little, I felt like he was a little surprised when it, when it was clearly catching on. And each time yeah. he just, he just went a little harder with it. And then yeah. it was like, wow, maybe we could play at Rockwood. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And yeah. it was like, all right, I guess we played at Rockwood. And then it was like, well, maybe shit. And then we started getting like festival offers. Yeah. And that was, that was when I really got to link with you is when we got the f- offer to play Fool's Paradise. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I was remembering that this morning and cause we're like exactly 10 years apart. Cause I, you and I, yeah. Okay. And cool. I, it was your 30th birthday. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. And I like, do, that I do. was like the first night we hung and we were like at the bar yeah. and I was like, shots, you know, and we like, hung. Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> Antoine, Antoine was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but that was, yeah. I like forced you to hang. I was like, you're hanging. It was um, amazing. dude. That was, was really incredible. fun. That was really fun. Uh, yeah. That was awesome, man. But that was when it started to be like, we had no intentions of ever playing live. Yeah. Which is so weird. And was it as instant as I saw it? I mean, obviously you guys put out records, but it was like you guys started touring and it was like instantly. I remember when you guys came to Brooklyn, it was like, oh, sold out. They sold out the first night. Oh, add another and then add another. And then it was like play Central Park. I think. And then I opened for you guys Central Park. Yeah, like that was that amazing. Time. Um, yeah. So was it like totally out like i mean i know you were seeing the youtubes blow up and you were seeing it on the web did you were you like yeah, so blown away when it translated to like people packing venues yes the the answer is yes i mean i think everybody was because at that point there were other viral uh internet things but they really felt like internet things yeah and so even when we were when we got that uh when we were able to get that uh, hold for the date at Brooklyn Bowl. Yeah. I feel like I remember Brooklyn Bowl being like, who are these guys? Like, and they weren't sure about doing the date. And our agent was like, look, they'd do all these numbers online. And at that moment, it was still sort of like, yeah, but so what? There's, it's a YouTube thing. Like, yeah. who knows if anyone's going to show up? And our agent was basically like, look, give us the offer or like we're going elsewhere. And then, yeah. And then within within a minute it had sold out and then and then that's when you know Shapiro was like, "Yo." Yeah, whatever he, you he was do. texting me. <laughs> he was texting me like, "Dude, you I I think I conversed with him about that I knew you or yeah, that yeah. I can't even remember, but uh, you know, I, I talked to Pete like a lot, you know, and he was like, yeah, "Holy shit. shit." He was like updating me as that was <laughs> happening in like real time, you know. I was like, "Holy shit." Yeah, um, it was exciting because I don't think anybody really knew. I mean, we didn't, I def, there wasn't really a way to know what your live numbers are. That's yeah. the scary thing about live. I know. That's why I live know. is so freaking terrifying is that it's like, we think you can do this. It's like, yeah, but if we, if we can't, I'm out like a hundred yeah. grand. Right. Right. <laughs> Cause I have to rent the freaking bus. Yeah. You know? Do it's all like, that shit. Um, and then, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fast forwarding a bit, but sure. then from, I, I mean, not many people have made their way from Rockwood to Madison Square Garden in the span of a few years. I know, man. It's absolutely insane. I mean, was it, could you have even fathomed something like that? No. I, yeah, I was not on my radar, man. I mean, I'm not, I don't mean to sound like a, you know, oh, I wasn't even yeah. trying, but yeah. I just mean, you know, I've been, I've been trying hard at many things. Yeah, but that wasn't I, that wasn't one of the things that we were setting out to do. You yeah. know, it, it's so it's it's weird. I think I think with music, and maybe this is like this with life, but you music is so uh, weird in terms of like having anything connect and click and really click into place. It is. It's, it's yeah. you know you never really know what's going to happen. So, but if you devote yourself to a life in music which is another reason that I relate to you is like, you really have done that where like you, you have a lot of interests, you're versatile, 
So you put yourself out there and yes, you might wear a couple hats, but it's kind of all building this, this presence and this career for yourself, you know, in this path. And then it's just ends up being like, holy crap, this thing is, it's <laughs> this a thing's thi- huge right now. Right. I mean, but you know, again, it's that thing where like, you just can't get super jaded and like, cause there's going to be a lot of discouraging moments throughout, so many, yeah. throughout. Uh, like yeah. I've had so many. And part of my problem has been not ec- actually just doing one thing the whole time. Cause I'm not mm. able to, I, I don't, I don't get fulfilled just doing one exact thing and I'm going to follow that line. Sure. Some people are amazing at that. Some people, like I really look up to artists that find that thing and they work it. And usually those are the ones that really like blow up on this massive level level sure um, sure but um for me and again there's so many ups and downs but for me it's just so much more fulfilling to try different things <laughs> and yeah, let, which is and, which is and it took me a long time to understand that you got to let yourself fail to get up and do something better i mean everyone i've talked to has that has said something about that you know like shapiro is a classic example of like right because at the end you're known for the things that do break through and that um right so persistence you you also (laughs) yeah persistence and and also like acceptance of what it is that you discover you are like you just said you know you're like you you said oh i should probably do more of a focused thing, but actually I don't get any fulfillment out of that. So then I would ask you like, well then should you, should you actually then? Right. Because you know, but that, and that's, that's the journey of like, I really don't believe that we choose who we are. I feel like we discover who we are. I mean, you can make choices within that, but it's like, yeah, it's, you have to, you have to be open enough to accept what your, your spirit and your, your body and your life and mind and heart are telling you that it is that you need to do. And sometimes that is making a, you know, is, is rebounding from failure in a certain way or saying like, I need to make a big change or, you know, I'm going to let myself be totally open for the next year or I'm going to get really focused. Right. Right. You know, that can be all those things. I really liked what Derek said about what Derek truck said about, starting the new project and kind of like going all in on it. Yeah. Well, um, you know what? He was the one who I was thinking about. And and again, he has shifted at times, but I so admire, like he always tells me like, you have to like, like he's, he's like, you know, whatever you call it, the guy running the train. What's, what's who's the, the, the conductor, the conductor of the train. <laughs> I couldn't think of He's that. a train runner guy. He's a the train runner. <laughs> you know, but he really is. And like, he never, he's like, he, people will try, like, there's no way to like really phase him. You know, he's so, that's amazing. He, and it's just like with his playing too, like he's, he's so stoic, oh, yeah. but there's so much passion and conviction coming out. I, I got to meet him and see him play when I was like 16. Yeah. And he was always so kind every time I've, I've met him a couple times, but, but I remember the entire audience gasping yeah. when he just would like play something. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. Not too many people can give me like the goosebumps, like every single time I played bass yeah. in the band for a while. I don't know if I, know. I knew that. I, played, I did know and, that. And Incredible like, man. It, the hardest thing for me was to continue playing bass when he would do that. <laughs> Cause he'd hit something and I'd be like, Oh shit. Ah, uh, don't listen yeah. too hard. <laughs> yeah. I, so if I listen too hard, I'd be like, Oh shit. You know? And then yeah, like, I know. Oh shit. <laughs> have to be like, keep your hands on the bass. 
Um, That's an amazing moment when you're playing bass. I remember the first time I had a, my, a gig on bass. Yeah. I had only ever played guitar, but I love bass. Yeah. Are you originally a bass player? I started out playing bass first, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. But only for like a year, like maybe like a year, and then I started playing guitar. And then it was kind of that's back cool. and forth. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But you know, there's there's a there's there's so much joy in playing bass. I remember being on a gig and it was like we we were playing Billy Jean. Yeah. And I had a very cheap, very poorly set up bass with like crazy high action, but I didn't I just didn't know any better. Yeah. You know? And so I'm going like you know, a couple minutes of that. Yeah. And I remember at some point being like, Oh, my hand's a little tired. Yeah. And I just (laughs) stopped playing. Oh dude. I had to, and then ice. it was like, oh shit! You can't just stop when you're playing a bass guitar. Stop. You just let a ri- G ring out. Maybe yeah. you take a couple bars off. And you also have to know the music like inside and out. And they had a lot of songs. I remember when I fr- when I was like, yeah, man, I'm totally on this. But mostly at that yeah. point, I had played bass on record. I was mostly in the studio, like, and then I had sure, I was like sure. in a band in like 16 or something. But like, I hadn't played three two hour sets and also like eight minute Holy guitar crap, solos of like being like eight minutes under him like ripping and like like literally would be doing a disservice to the entire universe if i fuck up under <laughs> under that solo like he's like taking this epic <laughs> solo if i do anything like so i would have to like uh and i remember at the end of the shows my wrist this my right <sighs> would be just like torn up i had to start icing it and getting acupuncture and fuck man it was, wow <laughs> it was no i mean that's very real i was gonna ask you how you even survived that i like, mean just it was just like on like certain songs and then also like i had i realized that that it, i learned a lot on that gig like i, I was i bet like, doing and also just playing like blues like i was not right. i've never been a blue like the one thing i'd never do, really done was played blues on the bass you know wow. what I mean? And like yeah. really doing it right is an art. And I was not, oh, I did not know that art. Right. <laughs> you know? Like I playing the R and B and the funk stuff was like in my wheelhouse for the most part. Um, but really like playing like authentic, like blues on the bass. It's not something people focus on. You know what I mean? Right, right, so, right. So like I'd never and like. there couldn't be a more like consequential gig for that. <laughs> yeah. Like do not fuck that up. I mean, Susan and Derek are like cut to me, the best current people like doing that. So yeah, it's amazing, uh, but man. it was great. I mean, being with them in the hang and just the whole experience. I mean, and also Kofi Burbridge just being like next yeah, to man. him every night and just like, absorbing his like genius on stage. I loved hearing you guys that. talk about, about Kofi, man. That's I mean, so cool. there was no, but no, no musician I've ever been around quite like yeah. that. Um, wow, man. Well, I hope that you and I actually get to work together. When Dude, you, I'd love to, man. I love everything you do. And, you know, I ho- don't mean to make you feel too weird, but you're a huge influence on my guitar playing as well. Thank you, uh, man. Which I was actually, the first time we got to really play together, I was like, I, I wonder if Kraz is going to be like, what the hell is this guy doing? He's, <laughs> why is he trying to sound like me? You know what's funny? I actually have to say that when I sat in with you guys, it was really funny. He, you guys did like, and I didn't, I didn't hear it till after. I was like on the side of the stage, and I knew I was going to sit in with you guys, but it was at lock in, and I was like hang, right. hanging around, and then I kind of heard something that sounded like me, and it turns out, yeah. I figured out later. <laughs> 
that you were, you were like, you were going like, let me join a sound like crap, no, or something yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Sound like crap, no. But, but I, I like, couldn't hear the mic where I was, you know, because like the, you know, there was no monitor there. I was on the side. And then like, I was like, yeah. I think maybe, maybe I'm supposed to come up now. And then like, oh, they're like, man. yo, 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 you got it. And so I came up there yeah, yeah. and I played and then I, someone sent me like the clip. Some, I don't know if it was a phone, like Instagram or something of it. And like realized that you were like doing like a, a little shtick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, know, I thought that was yeah, really that's funny. awesome, man. Yo, it's Eric Krasno in the house. Seriously, is it Anyway, that, that was it was well, an honor. Was, thank you, man. There were so many. There were moments where I remember, like, I feel one thing I'd like to say is maybe as a parting thing is yeah. you can take whatever you get into as a kid. That's like the music that is is the gateway into everything else. Yeah, it contains elements that'll that'll lead you everywhere else. So, for example, I remember hearing. I I am sure for a fact that Soul Live is the first example I ever heard of somebody going from like a let's say like A minor to G minor to C to F, you know, like yeah, to be yeah. like it's a six chord, but then it's actually a two five to four. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like th- you got, I, and I remember the first time I heard the. The minor seven going down the whole step to minor seven. And yeah, yeah. I remember being like, oh, that's the best that's sound the ever. That's the funnest thing to life. play over. The funny <laughs> thing is, like, and this is something that's very much like a soul live thing, is like, we all loved like jazz records. But we, yeah. And it's in the same way that like hip hop would take the break, the drum break, that's only a few seconds of mm, a right. classic funk record. Oh, the break. Yeah. And then they loop that in hip hop. We were yeah. all about taking that one change that happened at one turnaround of a yes. 64 bar jazz song right. and being like, totally dude, let's just that. rock that over let's and over <laughs> for like 20 minutes, you know? And You're we would, so we right. would play it for like 20 minutes and Neil would solo and the drums and we dynamically would move around, but we loved taking these chord changes that oh. were more, you know, and, and like just fun to listen to play and listen to and Neil so fun, man. Neil opened up my mind so much too because his knowledge of his harmonic thing is just so deep you know and so he would take yeah, it man. and flip it way harder than me you know what I mean <laughs> and like he would show me all this shit but uh that's yeah. so cool man that's well, funny. thanks for the inspiration, Kraz. Thank thanks you, for man. Me on You're the show, one of my man. absolute favorite songwriters. And well, uh, dude, let's write sometime, man. That would yeah, be actually, I, yeah. I could see that working out really yeah, well. That would be great. And I didn't really get to talk too much about your new record, but uh, modern That's okay. modern Johnny sings. We may have to do like a whole other one <laughs> at some point. Um, but you, I want to make sure everyone. And I also love that uh, the title uh, is not. I've been oh, calling yeah. it uh, Modern Johnny Sings, but it's a. That's probably what I should have. 
just left it there. But it's uh, Modern Johnny sings songs in the age of vibe, which is what yeah, I, one of my. It's so funny because Nigel, when Nigel and I are like, we, we when we speak, yeah. like it, it's so corny to everyone else, but we say like, the, oh, there's only like two words, and vibe is one of it's those vibe. words. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Well, that whole thing came from, I don't know if you've ever been searching for a title and then you're having a conversation with a friend and it just yeah. hits yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. okay, shit, that, they all go in the trash and then it's yeah. like, that's the title now. Yeah. And maybe it only makes sense to you in that moment, but you're, it's too late. You've, you've sold yourself on it. I kind of, I, I think there's a certain amount of like, I think people dig that though. It's like, yeah, it's particular to the artist, and that, that was really me trying to be like, okay, these are not. These are, this is not background music. Yeah. It, it sort of sucks as background music. It doesn't yeah. really work as vibe music either. Even right. it's sort of full meal music. It's yeah. sort of like, yeah, yeah. you're going to have to eat a meal and here's are the songs and yeah. that's it, you know? So that's what I was going is for. Is Modern but. Johnny a, a persona of yours? Is it's, that like, is there, is there, is there a story there? It sort of is. Well, the sort of, the, I, I can't fully explain this other than I get this, I've sort of started to feel like I was... I was modern Johnny. It was like modern Johnny, you know, tries to promote himself. Modern Johnny like sings, modern Johnny cries, oh, modern it, Johnny it. tries to, you know, modern Johnny goes to, <laughs> goes to the Capitol building. It just, right, right. <laughs> it felt like modern Johnny was the plight of the, of the contemporary singer songwriter. Right. Right. Just like showing up and being like, I got my music. Right. It's right. not, it's not really like a cynical thing. It's more of, I, 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 it's sort of just, I just felt like that was a, a represent, a representation of like what we're all doing basically. Right. Right. I Everybody's modern Johnny. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, well I hope we, man, this is fun. I really feel like fun, we man. could do this forever. Um, but I think we when, could, you, when you, uh, come back to LA, we'll hang yes, and, and hopefully do some writing. That would be I'd love really that, man. Fun. I want to, and I want to check your studio out. Yeah. And, yeah. And I you love the drum out. sounds you've gotten. And yeah, it's been really cool, this, man. Um, yeah, this cat Otis McDonald is, this, I, I've been playing with him and man, he's incredible. I, we were making a record so together. Good. I'm going to send you what we've been working well, on. Dude, I, he, he actually emailed it, it to me and oh, I, I'm just realizing now that I haven't checked it out. That oh, was another yeah. thing I wanted to put on in the car. So that'll be Check the next that thing. Check that out when I you get a chance. To. The drums I will, sound man. awesome. So he came here at one point and I've been he's a sending stuff back and forth with him at his studio. But he, he also said, came yeah. down here and helped me dial in my sounds here and, uh, which has been a huge, huge uh, game changer. That's amazing. He said his room is like, uh, it's like Crosby, Stills, and Nash recording. Yeah, in there American Beauty, uh, Grateful, the Grateful Dead. What? Yeah. Uh, oh my Crosby, God. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Um, the Deja. Is it Deja, Deja Vu? Vu? Yeah. Yeah. And good then, Lord, and man. Then, but then also like Herbie Thrust and like man, all, like all of the like the mo like the the Mount Rushmore. You know, for me, I was gonna it's say like, of each of each of those lanes, that's yeah, the best. Yeah. And so we we ended up like I've been doing. I mean, it started out like us doing it like in COVID times, you know, where we yeah. were just send, sending stuff back and forth. And then eventually I went and visited him and like, we've cool. also like just become like super tight, you know? And then, yeah, and yeah. then he came down here. Um, and he also has a, a boy, like a year and a half year old son, you know, my son was awesome. just born. So like there was a whole thing there. Um, but yeah, he's a genius dude. Plays everything too. You guys would yeah, talk because you guys are like in the same, like he plays drums and sings and he plays like keys and that's guitar. so cool, man. Yeah. I, I can't wait to meet him. Yeah. It'd be maybe fun to do something all together. Let's that do it. Cool. All three of us, yeah, man. That'd that's be great. Fun. All right, brother. Cheers. Want to thank Theo for being on the show. 
such a great dude, such a great musician, and I hope I get to hang with him and make music with him soon. Before we leave, I'd like to uh, play one track. Um, This one is called Hard Work, and this is a selfish pick. This is one of the first songs that he played for me, and I've just been bumping it ever since, so check it out. Drops with my shoulder when you cried. I called in sick so I could comfort you all night. Now you got cold feet. Well, just let me break the ice. Yeah, I did your laundry and I folded it real nice. Krasno Plus One is hosted by me, Eric Krasno. Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Produced by myself and Ben Baruch of 1111 Group. 
All original music is by me, and most of which are instrumentals from my album, Telescope, under the artist name Kraz. This podcast is presented by Osiris Media. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email Kraz plus one at Gmail. That's K-R-A-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe I'll answer them on air. Send me suggestions of other guests you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.